Good morning. It's Monday, July 24th, 2023. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer for Cantor Managed ETF Portfolios. This is my weekly economic and market commentary. As a reminder, if you'd like intra-week commentary, you can follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn. Twitter is at ETF underscore strategist. LinkedIn is just Herb Morgan. Uh, quick uh, quick note of disclosure: the presentation, uh, excuse me, presentation has been designed by Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors for use with both investors and financial advisors who are each expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in the presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything is purely for informational purposes. Well, defying all the skeptics, defying all the odds, defying valuations, higher interest rates, all those things that are happening in our economy, the equity markets continue to grind higher. S&P 500 finished the week up seven-tenths of a percent. But here's a little surprise from last week. Look at mid and small cap stocks up almost well, more than double in the case of small cap. What was driving that? Well, if you remember back in March, we had a little regional bank crisis. We had several failures, First Republic, Silicon Valley Bank, et cetera. Well, earnings season is underway, and small cap regional banks are doing quite well. And that was one of the big drivers of this surge in small cap stocks last week, to the surprise of many. International markets, however, lower so mixed results overall for equity. Fixed income largely unchanged, but longer-term rates, the 10-year yield is an example, and, and beyond, down last week, sending the 20-plus Treasury index up about four-tenths of 1%. Moving on to economic data last week. Now, if you remember, we've been looking at regional manufacturing surveys, and they just haven't been good. It's one of the reasons that combined with the mini regional banking crisis that caused me to say we had entered recession back in March. Now appears that we have not entered recession back in March, except perhaps in the manufacturing side of the economy. But manufacturing represents about 15% of the U.S. economy. Services sector is about 85. No sign of a slowdown there. So it's time to remove my recession call. Uh, let's start with Empire State. That's New York. New York Manufacturing Survey fell to 1.1, but it was positive. And, and manufacturing actually slightly expanded in the month of July, we think. And uh, that was better than the expectations for minus 3.5. We also saw employment move from negative to positive, from minus 3.6 to 4.7. And the outlook remained above zero, remained, above, remained positive, not as positive as it was the prior month. We got national June retail sales expected to be up a half a percent. We're only up two-tenths of a percent. This is, oh, this is good. This is fine. Uh, sales backing out automobiles and gas up three-tenths of a percent after a five-tenths of a percent prior month gain. All good data. On the disinflationary front, we saw capacity utilization drop again. You've heard me say this over and over. When capacity utilization at the factories is above 80%, it puts upward prices on production, inputs, labor, supplies, everything. When you get below 80%, you remove that inflationary pressure. And removing inflationary pressure from the economy has been key in 2023. It's what the Fed is looking for. 
however, industrial production also fell for the second straight month, which goes back to my, hey, we were in a little manufacturing recession. But that's not enough for a total economy recession, as we now know, right? July, uh, home builder sentiment came out last week. It rose to a 13-month high. So despite higher interest rates, the nation's home builders for the last two months have been above the 50 line, meaning they are positive. Their outlook is positive for their business. Why? Inventory of homes for sale remains extremely low. Prices remain high. I read a statistic last week that 30% of home purchases now are all cash, up from 20% a couple of years ago. As financing costs have risen, uh, home buyers have resorted to cash. That's a very high number historically for U.S. houses to be bought with cash. Moving along, existing home sales. Now, that number way down. Is that because of demand or is that because of pricing? Well, existing home sales fell more than expected, down more than 17% from a year ago, but it all comes down to very low inventory. People who bought and locked in low interest rates back when that was uh, the thing a couple of years ago are not in any hurry to sell. As inflation has come into the economy and prices of everything has gone up, it, it's great to see that your house payment is not. And for most people, wages go up with inflation. If your house payment, your biggest expense stays the same. You're ahead of the game. Selling, moving up, is less of a thing today because obviously the interest rates are not available for that move up purchase. Housing starts and permits for the month of June. Starts fell back about 8%. That was not as bad as expected, but that was after a huge gain of almost 16% in May. Housing starts are now back above pre-pandemic trend. New home demand is high. It's because of the very limited existing inventory. Weekly, job, uh, weekly initial claims for unemployment remained very low, fell from 237 to 228. Anytime you're below 300, you have a decently strong uh, labor market. It's a very large economy, large country, 200 to 300,000 people a week file an initial claim for unemployment. When you're in that low twos, like we've been now uh, for two years, uh, that says that the jobs market is very strong. And the bottom line is if the consumer has, if people have jobs, we have a strong consumer. If we have a strong consumer, I guess we don't go into recession. Continuing claims remain very low as well, 1.75 million. Another regional survey, I mentioned uh, New York State. This is Philly Fed. Philly Fed rose from minus 13 to minus 13.5. You can see manufacturing recession has been going on for a long time in the Philadelphia region. But despite the regional uh, manufacturing surveys being negative in Philadelphia, New York, and elsewhere, uh, not enough to uh, overcome the strength of the consumer uh, in the U.S. economy. We're well into earnings season now. We've had 88 out of uh, 498 names in the S&P 500. And the reason there's 498 is there's two companies with two classes of share. Um, 69 of those 88 have beat estimates. You know, that's it, at first glance that looks fantastic. It look it really is just okay uh, because estimates kind of get lowered and guided lower as you move in. Normally, you have that kind of a percentage of beat, so it's not a huge number. 
the average earnings surprise is only about 6%, uh, but it's not bad. And so it looks like we're in another quarter of better than feared earnings reports, better than feared earnings reports. In fact, it's likely that as we go through this week with notables such as Microsoft, Google, Texas Instruments, Corning, Meta, Intel, ADP, Coca-Cola, et cetera, as we go into those this week, that we could move out of the better than feared camp into some really good surprises. I'm thinking specifically companies like Microsoft, uh, which have you know gone up a lot in the last year. Um, and the consensus estimates blended forward 12 months for the S&P 500 continue to grind higher. We were back in February at $223 a share, blended forward 12 months estimate. And now we're at $229 blended forward. We're still below where we were, right? We were getting close to 240 back uh, about this time last year. And so there's nothing to get overly excited about, but the market continues to just keep grinding higher. And we're back, back up to 45.50 on the S&P 500, not entirely far from a new all-time high. This recovery trade from the recession that really never happened, that was a reaction of, hey, we're going to raise interest rates, we're going to trim the Fed balance sheet, we're going to hit inflation hard, and the sell-off was the fear that it would result in unemployment, job losses, recession. The rally now that it hasn't resulted in any of those things, that the market's continuing to grind higher. So what's doing all that? Why We, we can't just ignore the things we know that were head, headwinds. So we know that the rate hikes, the asset runoff from the balance sheet have not hurt employment or earnings or perhaps uh, earnings would have been even higher without them, and, empl and employment would have been even stronger. Uh, but we've had the the knowledge that the end of the rate hike cycle is in view has caused the U.S. dollar to go down, because some of the some of the other central banks are continuing to hike for longer, most notably the ECB and the Bank of England. So as the dollar index comes down, that's going to make exports more competitive. That's going to take care of a lot of that uh, manufacturing recession that I've talked about. So there's there's an optimistic view because of the dollar index coming down. Obviously, artificial intelligence, technology innovation is a secular and accelerating trend. There's no, it, the, 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 the improvements in the secular changes in tech, the innovation is, doesn't care that interest rates are higher. It's going to continue on uh, as it does. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, which was a highly growth-oriented, stimulative uh, change to the tax code, remains law, has been unchanged uh, despite a change in the administrations. We got the debt ceiling resolution about a month or two ago. Uh, corporate balance sheets remain very strong. Bank balance sheets remain very strong. And despite the reduction in lending that came from our regional bank mini-crisis, as I mentioned, small cap stocks up last week. A lot of that had to do with regional bank um, earnings. The regional bank index is up 14% in the last month. And then on the good news front, uh, looking at the traded inflation break-evens, uh, you can see two-year down from almost 340 in March, down below the Fed's target of 2%. Five-year from 280 down to 2 and a quarter. The 10-year down from 250 down to 23 
certainly the Fed and, and all of us want to see that five and 10 year break even continue to drop and get to that sub 2% range um, because that is the Fed's long-term goal and view on inflation. But everything seems to be trending in the right direction. Now this week, in addition to a you know, massive number of corporate earnings, we've got option expiration on Friday, which could cause some fun in the market, but a lot of economic data. We've got the July um, S&P Global. We've got Manufacturing and Services PMI. That's today, Monday. House prices from FHA and Case Shiller, along with consumer confidence. And Tuesday, home sales. We've got a Fed meeting this week. Can't you know forget about that. Uh, looks like we'll probably get another quarter point, although there's debate. <laughs> Initial claims for unemployment, second quarter GDP, the first revision there. Uh, excuse me, no, first report there. Durable goods, pending home sales. We've got employment cost index, personal income spending, PCE prices. That's a key inflation number, PCE, and then consumer sentiment. Uh, it's a very, very busy week, and uh, we look forward to it. If anything particularly noteworthy happens between now and next Monday, I'll be sure to get it out to you on uh, either Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, but don't forget, this is also available as a podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and I will be back to you again next week. <laughs>